All right, well, we'll jump in. We'll jump in. I'm really excited to, uh, to share with you tonight. We are on week number two of a sermon series, a teaching series called Just Ask Joseph. And I shared with you last week about how what this series is really about is learning how to navigate the ups and downs in life. And, and uh, we mentioned how, um, how that phrase, life can be a roller coaster, is used quite often. And that's because it's true. It's full of ups, good times, amazing times, but it's also full of downs, uh, times that you wish would just go away and you would, you know, rain, rain, go away, right? Never to return again. Okay, so that's really what this is about, navigating the ups and downs in life, and that Joseph is like the perfect guy to look at, his life, when you're trying to navigate the ups and downs of life, because his life was full of ups and downs. And last, last week we talked about, uh, we started with an up. Remember, Joseph had a dream, and God downloaded vision and purpose for Joseph's life, and, uh, and so we asked Joseph, what do you do with your dreams? If you weren't here, if you missed that sermon, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. I, I got a lot of feedback that there were people that were really encouraged uh, and even inspired for where they're at right now in life. This week, what I want to do is look at um, a downturn. <laughs> we're going to look at a down in, uh, in Joseph's life. So go ahead and turn to Genesis 37. Genesis 37, and of course, we, that's where we were last week in the first part of it. But in the second part, what you find is that Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. Okay? Let me go ahead and give you the title of this sermon. Betrayal. Betrayal. That's the title of the sermon. And my sermon in a sentence is actually a question. It will be most weeks. My sermon in a question <laughs> is, how do you handle Betrayal. How do you handle betrayal? And we're going to look at uh, the life of Joseph, the story. We're going to ask Joseph some questions. We're going to get a few answers from him. But listen to me, we're also going to um, stick our head in on David, King David's story, and get some stuff from him. Because I personally believe that David took his cues from one of the greats, Joseph. And a lot of the ways that he handled some pretty serious betrayals in his life, I believe he thought back to that man named Joseph. Um, before we dive in, I, I want everybody's attention. I know you're probably writing and, and drawing smiley faces on things I've already said. Um, but listen, I, I want to, before we dive in, I want to ask you two really important questions that everybody in this room, and there's a lot of people in this room, I want everyone to answer these questions Honestly, um, because betrayal, betrayal has the ability to cause setbacks in our lives by the nature of what they produce in our hearts. Even talking about betrayals, we think of the word betrayal, it starts stirring up stuff, maybe from an event or a series of events in your lives, a situation where someone betrayed you and maybe, um, maybe you've gotten over it. You know, or maybe you haven't gotten over it. Maybe somewhere uh, in your heart and your mind, you kind of keep it stored back into the in the back of your mind, and uh, just try not to think about it. You know, this is just a loud room tonight, man. <laughs> and you guys know I am way too ADD for this kind of stuff. <laughs> so help me, Lord, help me, Lord. <laughs> okay, so tonight has the ability. I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Tonight, what I'm going to talk about has the ability to bring back to the surface hurts and wounds in your life. You guys understand what I'm saying? And so, um, so what I want to do is I want to ask you two questions just to, just to kind of clear the air, clear the room before we go any further, okay? And here's the two questions, okay? Were you betrayed? Were you really betrayed? Were you really even betrayed? Or did somebody just tell you no? Think about what I'm saying. Did someone critique your work? Or did someone uh, correct your behavior? Or did someone challenge your attitude? Did somebody call your bluff? You know how anybody ever called your bluff? It's like, yeah, that's not, that, whatever. You know, anybody ever called your bluff? And it's like, that doesn't feel good. You know, bottom line, is this thing that you're calling betrayal, is it really just somebody hurt your feelings? I really need you to hear me. Could it be that what you have perceived as an act of betrayal was really an act of love? In Proverbs 27, verses 5 through 6, it says, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. It goes on to say, Faithful are the wounds of a friend but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. What, they, what this is saying is, is it would be better to um, be wounded by a friend who spoke the truth in love because it's a faithful and sincere attempt to get you out of the muck or to change your direction or to correct an attitude, to correct a behavior. Better is open rebuke. It's, it'd be better to be openly rebuked by a faithful friend than for them to conceal that love and not tell you that very thing they see. You guys understand that scripture? Hebrews 12 verse 11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful. Now you could very easily exchange that word discipline for discipleship. Couldn't you? Couldn't you? I'm not like already betraying you in the crowd, am I? You guys with me? Read it this way. For the moment, all discipleship seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Proverbs 12 verse 1 says, whoever loves discipline. Again, you could replace the word. Whoever loves discipleship, loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. (laughs) That's what it says. I say, I'm not writing this. This is like God's word. He who hates reproof is stupid. stupid. I want you to listen to me. I've spent a lot of time with a lot of people. And I've spent a lot of time with people who are um, emotionally paralyzed. Most of the time, it is because of an act of betrayal. Are you guys with me? Melissa and I have been in ministry for a very long time. Very long time. We've spent a lot of time with people counseling. Most of the time, that emotional paraly- emotionally paralyzed person that just can't move forward in their thoughts or their actions or their, you know, you, most of you know what I'm talking about when I say emotionally paralyzed. Usually it's because, most often, because of an act of betrayal. Now listen, about half of the time, my experience is, it is a legitimate wound. About half the time, it is a legitimate act of betrayal that they've experienced. But the other half, the other 50% is a false sense of betrayal. 
You're talking to them. You're hearing their heart because that's what you do. You listen. Try to help them come to conclusions. But really the only conclusion that you can come to after they've shared what they've shared is like, are you serious? You took that that way? Man, I I think you might need to step back and chill out, you know? And then listen to this. Those who have truly been betrayed, those who were abused when they were a kid or maybe by a spouse or maybe those who have um, uh, been through an adulterous situation, someone cheated on them or whatever. I mean, we could go through a list of betrayals. Those who have truly been betrayed will usually break free from its effects through discipleship. They start getting in worship and the word and community and pretty soon the effects of that betrayal, the hurt, the pain, all of a sudden um, um, places in their heart start to move again. That emotional paralyzed state goes away and all of a sudden they can live again. They can breathe. They can have friends. They can have relationships. But listen to me. Those who perceivably are, were perceivably betrayed rarely break free. I need you to hear me before we go any further tonight because I'm going to share some stuff. But we need, to get, we need to get where someone's at first, okay? They just can't let go. And again, my, my experience is a, a perceived betrayal is actually worse than a real one. So you have to ask yourself, you've got to determine, was I actually betrayed? Or was it just someone trying to love me well? Melissa say that all the time. You just got to love them well. And that usually involves the truth. Scripture tells us that. Speak the truth but do it in love. Okay, so that's one question. Were you, were you betrayed? And the second thing is, have you betrayed? Have you betrayed? Bring it back to the, the golden rule. Can I really be ticked at this person when I am someone who has carelessly <laughs> and maybe even purposefully betrayed someone else? What did Jesus say? So whatever you wish that others would do, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Right? We know that one. Do unto others. Do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, unto you. And it would be easy for us to answer no, that we've never betrayed anyone, right? Because that's a grievous thing to betray someone. And so none of us would fess up to that. None of us would actually own up to it. Okay, that's fine. But look at it this way then. Something else Jesus said in that same chapter is, for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. However you judge, you will be judged. When we, um, when we turn our back on someone, when we give up on a relationship, when we literally will avoid them in the supermarket, when we write them off, what we're doing is we are giving up grace for that person. We're giving up grace. What we're saying is, I no longer have grace for you. And it's usually, it usually comes from judgment. We have judged them to be this or to be that, and we have determined that we don't want to engage them anymore, and so we walk away. We may have even done 
things or said things that are hurtful, maybe to their face, but maybe not to their face, maybe just behind the scenes, uh, scenes somewhere. Listen to me. For a believer, for a believer, that is an act of betrayal. Can you guys see that? Because it's unbecoming. That behavior is unbecoming of a believer. So let me ask you those two questions before we talk about betrayal, before you get all stirred up in your heart about something that happened to you a long time ago. Okay, listen to me. Were you betrayed? Think about it. And the other thing is, have you ever betrayed anybody? Then let's, let's watch out for that speck and lock thing. Amen? Now, assuming that everyone in here is perfectly gracious in their Christian behavior towards others and has never betrayed anyone. Or let me say it this way. Um, for those who truly have experienced a betrayal, you've, done, you've, you've answered the question, yes, I was betrayed. You know, and you have it. Okay, what do you do? What do you do? How do you handle betrayal? Okay, let's just ask Joseph. Can we do that? Okay, so let's look at uh, Genesis 37. And I'm going to read this section. I'm going to read the section all the way through so we can get the whole um, vision of what has happened. And then I'm going to come and revisit some things with some points. Okay, uh, starting in verse 12. Then Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Are your brothers not pasturing the flocks in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And Joseph said to him, I will go. Then Jacob said to him, Go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. Okay, Shechem was about uh, two days away, two day journey. Verse 15, a man found him, found Joseph, and behold, Joseph was wandering in the field. And the man said, what are you looking for? And he said, I'm looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. Then the man said, they have moved from here, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan, about another day's journey. So in all, he went about three days journey to find his brothers. Verse 18, when they saw him, when Joseph's brothers saw him from a distance coming, and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands. And he said, let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him. That he, and, and, he, and it says that he said that so that he might rescue Joseph out of the other brother's hands to restore him to his father. Verse 23, so it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his, wow, that was weird. They stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was upon him, and they took him and they threw him into a pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. And basically the pit was a cistern. Everybody know what a cistern is? Holds water out in the desert. Verse 25 says, Then they sat down to eat a meal. As they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead. And when their camels, bearing aromatic gum and balm and myrrh, on their way to bring them down to Egypt, uh, Judas said to his brothers, What profit is it for us to kill our brothers and just cover up his blood? 
Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. He's kind of acting like he has a conscience, but really he just wants some money. And his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph to Egypt. Now Reuben returned to the pit. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit, so he tore his garment. Apparently, Reuben got up and went somewhere. Maybe went to the bathroom, or maybe there was a, you know, a nice young lady that he was interested in across the way. And he came back. Who knows? Um, Reuben returned to the pit, and, and behold, Joseph wasn't in the pit, so he tore his garments. So you got to know that that is an expression of, uh, of grief. That is an expression of like, oh my gosh, what has happened? Okay? Um, he returned to his brothers and said, The boy is not here. As for me, where am I to go? So they took Joseph's tunic, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Jacob examined it and said, It is Joseph's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes. Reuben tore his clothes. You got you to... Put that on the shelf, okay? We'll come back to that. Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Jacob refused to be comforted. And he said, surely I will go down to Sheol in the morning for my son. So his father wept for Joseph. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph into, uh, into slavery in Egypt, and he went to Potiphar's house, Pharaoh's official, the captain of the bodyguard. Now that's all that we're going to, uh, to read tonight. But did you guys notice that it said they threw him in the pit and took a break and had lunch right there while Joseph is in the pit? Now listen, that's not just a betrayal. That's a heartless betrayal. Do you guys see that? Heartless. Here's my first advice for someone who has experienced a betrayal and certainly a heartless betrayal. Leave the spear in the wall. Write that down. Leave the spear in the wall. Some of you who know the Lord's word pretty well know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, let me tell you just a quick story about King David. King David was called upon to serve, uh, David when he was just a boy was called upon um, to serve King Saul. David was a musician and Saul was being tormented by an evil spirit and asked for a musician to come and soothe his soul, soothe his heart. Well, everybody knew that David was a rock star and so they called David in and they brought him in and David's doing his thing, you know? And it would soothe the heart of the king. But what you you also have to realize is this is after he killed Goliath, okay? And so all the while, um, people had started talking about David even though David wasn't talking about it, people were talking about it. And what they said was, David, uh, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Meaning David is mightier than Saul. Saul got very jealous. And it says, um, it says in 1 Samuel 19 verse 10 that while David was playing his harp for Saul, Saul hurled his spear at David to kill him. But David dodged out of the way and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. Do you guys see that? 
leaving the spear. I mean, does it get more offensive and betraying than that? (laughs) Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. He dodged it and left the spear there. He could have easily, remember this is after he killed Goliath, after. We know that David was bad to the bone. He could have pulled that spear out of the wall and pinned Saul to the wall, but he didn't. He left the spear stuck in the wall and fled and escaped into the night. I think this is something that he learned from the story of Joseph, who had experienced betrayal many times. And not just from Joseph, it's, it's, it's something that you hear in God's word. It's, it's something that is in there. Uh, Paul talks about it in Romans later in the New Testament. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. It goes on to say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then it goes on to say further, do not take revenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns wrath away. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Think about that, a harsh word. That reminds us of something that James says in James chapter 4, verse 11. Brothers, do not slander one another. Don't even use your words to attack or to pay evil for evil. And listen, I'm thinking about Joseph here, and you read the story, and we will, throughout the whole story, in the ups and in the downs, Joseph never even mentions the spear. Read it. He never mentions the pit. That's because he left the spear in the wall. He left what happened in the pit. The pit was a mute point. You guys hear what I'm saying? Melissa and I served for seven years at a church as youth pastors. And we loved our job. But towards the end of our tenure there, we were very harshly betrayed, harshly treated. Um, Terrible, terrible um, situation this season in our lives. And this leader had... uh, um, had, had really betrayed us and, and uh, failed us and offended us and hurt us and put all your other words in there that you want to describe that. And here's the deal. I was actually close to this leader before and I knew a lot about this leader and I had witnessed some things that were terrible. I could have easily pinned him to the wall. You guys understand? I guess the way you'd say it is I had dirt on this guy. I did and it was pretty dirty. And he could instantly have been removed for some of the things that I knew from his position. He was a pastor. So guess what I did? I did what the Lord told me to do. I did what scripture tells me to do. I kept my mouth shut. I'm not saying I didn't have some crazy thoughts. I'm not saying that I didn't dream about burning his house down. (laughs) Because I did. But I kept my mouth shut. And you know what we did instead of speaking ill? We blessed. We blessed. Because that's what scripture tells us to do. Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It goes on to say, live in harmony with one another. Now, it was hard to live in harmony with. And fortunately, we, we were afforded the opportunity to not be in close proximity to this man anymore. But we had a lot to deal with in our heart. Listen to me. What I have learned is that 
if you will leave the spear in the wall, God will pull it out and he will hurl it back in due time. You hear what I'm saying? You just leave the spear in the wall because God's going to pull it out and he will hurl it back. And how many of you know that he can throw much harder and much more accurate than we can? Can I get an amen? amen? Did you know about a year after that, the Lord was, I like to say, kind to me. <laughs> that man was removed from his position. And he was dealt with. And I am not even the one that had to do it. Proverbs 19.5 says, A false witness will go unpunished. He who breathes out lies will not escape. Isn't that good news? If you've been betrayed, can I give you some advice? Leave the spear in the wall. Leave the spear in the wall. Don't even pull it out and break it over your knee. <laughs> you know? No, just leave it in the wall. Well, I didn't hurl it back. I just broke it over my knee. Yeah, we saw, everybody saw that too. <laughs> leave the spear in the wall. The second thing is, on the flip side of that thought, allow yourself to grieve. If you've been betrayed, allow yourself to grieve. You know, it's easy for us to think that, that Joseph didn't have a need to, gr- to grieve because his relationship with his brothers was strained. Yeah, well, he wouldn't have grieved. I mean, the only thing he grieved was being thrown in the pit and having... No, listen, I want you to think about what we read. It says that, that his brothers went to Shechem to pasture the sheep. Now, what you may not know, but if you read a few chapters before, is something crazy went down in Shechem. Some of you may know the story, but Shechem was the prince of that area. That's why the town was named after him. Shechem, the prince, the son of whoever that was. And listen, Shechem raped one of Jacob's daughters, Dinah. And then he kind of felt bad about it and thought, I need to make amends. And oh gosh, what have I done? In his passion, he made this bad decision. Now he's trying to make up for it. So he goes to Jacob and says, I'd like your daughter's hand in marriage. Jacob's like, are you kidding me? Look what you've done. Yeah, but I want your daughter's hand in marriage. I will will give you anything. I will give you land. I will give you cattle. I'll give you you stuff. You know what Jacob said? Here's what I want you to do if you want my daughter. Every male in your town shall be circumcised. (laughs) You want my daughter? All the men need to be circumcised. All of them. Shechem agrees. He must have, I don't know, but he agreed. Can you imagine giving that news to your men? Uh, Guys, I've made a mistake and you're going to pay for it, you know. But listen, so they do it. All of Shechem men, all the men in that city, they were circumcised. And if you read the account, it says, while they were in pain, Dinah's two brothers, I forget which two, they go and they kill all the men while they were in pain, while they couldn't do anything. You guys understand? Okay? And Jacob kind of freaked out. It's like, what have you done? What have you guys done? I had this thing worked out. And you guys go, and of course they were like, they they raped my sister. They're not going to get by with this. Okay, so Shechem, as you can imagine, was not a safe place for Jacob's sons. Do you guys understand that? Jacob still owns some land in that area, two days away from Hebron. And it says that they went, 
that Jacob was concerned. You guys understand? Your brothers have gone to Shechem. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm going to need you to go. Jacob said, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go down there. You remember how we talked about last week that people try to treat David like a, I mean, uh, David, Joseph like a tattletale? Well, he's just a tattletale. Go see what your brothers are doing. That, you guys see how that's not what was going on? Go see what your brothers are doing. Are they up to no good? No, Jacob was concerned. And you can't tell me that Joseph wasn't concerned. I'll go. I'll go travel for two days to go see if my brothers are okay. Joseph was just as concerned as his brother. So again, he would have grieved. There's something about that relationship with his brothers. And think about whenever he got there. It says a man found Joseph wandering in the field. I think he was wandering and wondering, wondering what happened to his brothers. I think he was concerned. My brothers aren't, aren't in our Shechem field. They're not here. You know that he was thinking they got him. But then a man says, what are you, what are you looking at? I'm, look, I'm looking in for, and look at what he says. Please, please tell me where they are. Oh, they went down to Dothan. Oh, thank God. So Jacob, uh, Joseph goes it one more day further and finds him. Listen, you, you got to get this because if you don't understand all this, you don't really pick up what God's laying down for you. He was concerned. I mean, you guys, these were his older brothers. What younger brother doesn't have some sort of respect and, and love for their older brothers? Even, you know what I'm saying? Even if things are kind of weird and they pick on them and noogies and all, a, a younger brother loves his older brothers. And even if he didn't really like all of his older brothers, there seems to have been a special relationship with Reuben and Joseph. It says, when Reuben heard this, he reached out to rescue Joseph. And you can go back and look at the details. Remember, he was the one that tore his garments. He tore his garments when he found that his brother wasn't there. That's the same thing Jacob did. There was a love. There was a relationship there. You can't tell me that Joseph didn't have something to grieve. And you can't think, well, Joseph just took it all like a man. They threw him in the pit and he's like, oh, I got this. You know, just took it like a man. Just grin and bore it. You know, oh, no. And we'll look at this account later, but if you read in, in chapter 42, later on in the story, it says that when they finally kind of were reunited years later in Egypt, it says, truly, the brother said, truly we are guilty concerning our brother, Joseph, because we saw the distress of his soul. It doesn't tell us anything in chapter 37 about the distress of his soul. It didn't say David, uh, Joseph said anything. But here it tells us what was really going on. The cries that were really coming from the pit while they ate lunch. Talk about a heartless betrayal. We saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. This event was obviously physically and emotionally painful for Joseph. Can you imagine how hard it was for him to get past this? Now listen, David has had some rough stuff like that. There's one place he said, even my close friend whom I trusted whom I've eaten bread with, has lifted his heel up against me. There's another place in Psalm 55, he says, you know what, if it were my enemy insulting me, I could endure it. But we are someone who once enjoyed sweet fellowship. And he's talking about someone that he was friends with that betrayed him. And Jesus, think about, think about one time he says, it says that after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. 
I mean, Jesus getting troubled in his spirit, something's up, you know? Isn't that right? Why, uh, why are you troubled in your spirit? You're the son of God, you know? But it says that he was troubled in his spirit and said, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. He was troubled. He was grieving that. Even though he knew Judas was the devil, he grieved that. And of course, when Judas did it, what did Jesus say? Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? Very, very hurtful. Very, very painful. Listen, what I'm trying to say is that it's okay to be sad. It's it's okay to grieve that. Allow yourself to grieve. There's a few scriptures let me throw out to you. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. He is there to the brokenhearted. He will help them. He will comfort them. And then Psalm 73, we actually sing a song about this. My flesh and my heart may fail, but my God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Listen, grieve that betrayal. If there's somebody in the house tonight you, you have an, uh, an acute rem- a memory of a betrayal or multiple. Listen to me, grieve it. Grieve the thing. Own every emotion. Work through the hurt. Don't dismiss it. Maybe you're even in a betrayal situation right now. Listen, don't dismiss it. Oh, well, that's not, that's not so going. That's not what I meant. Well, and don't excuse it. Well, it's because I was this or I was, or well, they, they're, they're, you know, dumb or stupid or whatever. Don't dismiss it. Don't excuse it. Don't ignore it. Listen, own it. And here's why it's important to own it. If you won't own the hurt, you will never walk in forgiveness. And that's the next thing. Be ready to forgive. Write this thing down. Be ready to forgive. The day will come when you will have the opportunity to forgive. Listen to me. Maybe you don't want that day, <laughs> but the day will come when you will have the opportunity to forgive one way, or the other, uh, one way or the other. In chapter 45, and again, we'll read the whole account later, but they, they are reunited. It's in an interesting circumstance. We'll get to that. But it says that Joseph fell on his brothers and wept. He forgave them. He fell on his brothers and wept. Of course, Jesus said, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Another place he says, whenever you stand praying or worshiping, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. And we talk about forgiveness all the time. So I'm not going to go into a big exhortation about that. But I would encourage you to go back and listen to a sermon actually that Melissa preached not too long ago. You can go back on our podcast and look for it. And she taught on forgiveness. It's one of the best that I've ever heard. Go back and listen to it. The last thing is this. Enjoy the company. (laughs) You've been betrayed? Enjoy the company. Some of the greatest men who have ever lived, and certainly in the Bible, had to walk through difficult season. And one of the consistent difficulties that you find is betrayal. Isn't that right? You think about Saul with David. David was betrayed by Saul. Later we read that he was betrayed by his own son, Absalom. There's a couple of friends along the way that betrayed him. 
the prophets, most of the prophets were betrayed. Really, if you think about it, all of them were. Anytime someone is a mouthpiece for God, they're going to get betrayed. <laughs> they're going to get kicked in the head, right? Jeremiah 20, 10, I don't have time to read it, but go and read Jeremiah 20. He talks about how Jeremiah, he was like, I'm being betrayed by these people who should be listening to me. And our friends, he was betrayed. Jesus himself was betrayed. We know that he was betrayed nationally, right? Jesus came to his own and his own knew him not. In one breath, they were saying, they were saying, uh, um, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. Baruch Abashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then like just hours later, they're, they're saying crucify him. And the same group of people. Jesus knows betrayal nationally. He, he knows it personally. Judas betrays him with a kiss. And then of course we know Peter denies him three times in, in the garden. And you know, I said this a couple weeks ago when we were taking communion or maybe that was last week. We in our own way have the propensity and do betray Jesus every day when we're selfish and when we're greedy and when we're disobedient, right? So listen, enjoy the company. Enjoy the company. Okay, you've been betrayed, but you're not alone. Okay, greater men, greater women have been betrayed. Greater men and women have left the spear in the wall. Greater men and women have learned to forgive. They've learned to deal with the grief And if you're wise, you will enjoy the company. All of these men went on to be nation changers. David, the prophets, Jesus, world changers, universe changers, if you want to look at it in Jesus' case, you know, changed everything. People changers. Look, we're going to end with this. Genesis 45. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Genesis chapter 45. Go ahead and turn there. I know this is later on in the story, but it's, it's really important that you get this tidbit before we have a time of just responding to the Lord. In chapter 45, this is when the brothers were like, we are so sorry. Basically, is what they were saying. Here's what Joseph says. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. Because you sold me here, don't be angry because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse 7 and 8 says, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth. In other words, to keep you all alive. To keep the promise of Abraham. God made Abraham and Isaac and his father Jacob alive. A promise that all nations of the earth would be blessed through this family, this lineage. To keep it alive. God sent me here to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord over all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Guess what I'm trying to say with this last point is this. In a weird, kind of twisted way, thank God for that betrayal. Because God trusted you with it. And God is using it, wants to use it, to put you before someone, somewhere, to be their source of deliverance, 
how do you minister to someone who has been betrayed unless you yourself have been betrayed? But you won't be able to minister to someone who's been betrayed if you're still carrying around the spear. Let's stand. Let's close our eyes. A simple question you could ask yourself is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he doing in your heart? Has he brought something to mind that you need to deal with? That you need to ask forgiveness for? Is there a betrayal that you have not um, that you have not grieved? That you have not offered forgiveness? Have you is there still someone that is pinned to the wall by the spear that you've thrown? Tonight is a night where I believe God in the spirit will allow you to pull that spear from that poor soul and release them.